This is one of the things that the 43 Group is known by and should be known in the future, that you do not wait to be attacked. You take the fight of the enemy and attack those before they attack you. We did find ourselves in a very tricky situation, sometimes outnumbered. Anything you do to deter people from nasty things they want to do was uh, a good thing. Hello, welcome to a special episode number 23 of Radio 43, the weekly anti-fascist bulletin from Hope Not Hate. Uh, if you've not joined us before, this is the show when we um, we look at what the far right's been up to over the previous week. Um, we also talk about some key trends and some figures and uh, and uh, figures in the movement, that kind of thing. Um, I've got my two esteemed colleagues here, Roxy Carn-Williams and Joe Mulhall. What's happening Ooh. with you two? How's it going? Uh, yeah, oh. I'm good. I am cold. But other than that, I am mm. very well. Well, a few episodes ago, you were saying you were you were really looking forward to the autumn because you had like a lot of coats and now you're saying you're cold. So which one is it, Roxy? Well, you know, it's that autumn is that sweet spot where you can still wear your nice coats. But now I'm just like cold every day, like everything hurts. And this is like winter. We've moved out of autumn now. So I'm not I'm not happy about it. <laughs> yeah, fair point. <laughs> Fair point. How about you, Joe? You were uh, you've been a bit chilly as well by the looks of things. Yeah, cold in a bad mood. Just generally cold and in a bad mood. Um, <laughs> Relatable. Um, yeah, yeah, cold and in a bad mood. That's kind of summarise it really. How are you? Well, I'm okay. I have a COVID booster today, so um, uh, if I fall over at some point during the meeting, that's why. But hopefully, hopefully that won't happen. Um, but also, let's just hope that. You know the chat and the sort of camaraderie warms you up a little bit, Joe, and makes you feel in a, uh, a better mood. Um, maybe, maybe can't guarantee it, but you know, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, this is a I say as I say, it's a special episode of the show because um, last Friday, Joe and the research team at Hope Not Hate they released the uh, this this groundbreaking investigation into patriotic alternative, who are now um, the biggest fascist threat that we have in in the UK. Um, some of you listening may well have already read the report, uh, but for those of you that haven't, it's it's very much a kind of wide ranging look at the group. It contains some really quite juicy exposés as well, which we're going to talk about in this chat as here uh, as well. What I think is quite interesting, and Joe, you you might have some thoughts on this yourself, but it seems to kind of have knocked the leadership uh, and the and their influences sort of off their feet a little bit. It, it seemed like as soon as the report was released, or pretty soon afterwards right up until the evening no one was speaking about it in the leadership no one you know it seemed to be some kind of moratorium that was that was uh that was you know imposed upon it upon talking about it so any thoughts on that at all or yeah no it was good fun watching them scrabble um obviously the report kind of as you say covers a whole load of stuff and it identifies a load of people it kind of exposes a load of kind of key activists and um you know in certain areas that we were watching there was scrabbling around uh and kind of a bit of panic and then Clearly, like uh, there was there was some discussion and then there was like a blackout where it all went quiet for a while um, and everyone was told to kind of not say anything. And then they they did a podcast, for it, which I, ironically, I thought Mark Collett came across as even colder than usual and seemed mm. to offer or like almost zero sympathy for all the people that we'd exposed. 
Um, he just kind of cracked on as that's the price of, of doing business, which that's that's what we're aiming for. <laughs> um, but no, it's been it's been really great actually to see the impact of it and. And the whole point of the report was is firstly to explain, obviously, who they are, why they're so dangerous, which we can come on to, but also to remind the activists themselves in the far right that we, we will find you. Um, you know, you, can, you can't do this in the shadows. You can't do it with uh, kind of non-diplumes or fake names, etc. We're going to spend a lot of time and we're going to kind of find out who you are and expose you. And there's already been some people that, as a result of this, has kind of faced social consequences, which is, I guess, why we kind of do it. So we're really happy with how it's all gone. Well, we're, we're going to dive into it um, in, in some detail in the course of this podcast. But before we do, uh, literally 10 minutes before we hit record on this podcast, we've just had the news that uh, Ben Raymond, particularly grim individual who uh, co-founded National Action, um, has been convicted of remaining a member of the group after its prescription. This is pretty significant. I imagine we'll probably circle back to this next week because I, I think it's um, obviously quite a major piece of uh, uh, a major bit of news. So, but do either of you have any thoughts on this initially, um, just briefly or? Yeah, I mean, obviously Ben Raymond was one of the key figures, one of the key masterminds and architects behind National Action. So, um, it's no great surprise that he's been convicted. I mean, it looks like um, obviously we're still waiting for sentencing to happen at a later date, but he was convicted of being a member after the group was banned. So it's another, it opens up the discussion again about how useful is banning. And and in this case, obviously, when the law is then used, it can be really useful. Um, he was also convicted of possessing the manifesto by the Norwegian terrorist Anders Breivik and a guide to homemade detonators, but was found not guilty of four counts of possessing other documents. So, I mean, he's going to face, I imagine, a custodial sentence in quite a while. I will have to, but as I agree, maybe it's one to circle back on. I think, obviously, Matthew Collins... Um, who's written extensively about about national action in his book and Ben Raymond as well, especially, and has been following the trial. You know, he might be someone we can get on the podcast to have a little chat through at a later date as well. But yeah, I mean, it's good news. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good idea, actually. Oh, sorry, Rox, cut you up then. You go for it. Sorry, I was just going to say, um, I'm actually doing a podcast with Matthew Collins at the end of this week um, on this. So uh, yeah, watch out for that. Uh, I feel like now I'm throwing both of you under the bus by not doing this via Radio 43. But uh, hey, wow, yes, yeah, this is a pretty harsh way for us to find that out. I mean, on air as well. Wow, that's, I know that that's was brutal. really savage. As the words came out of my mouth, I realised I haven't told either of you. So uh, wow, you're, you're not doing anything for my bad mood, Roxy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, comrades. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that sounds great. That sounds great. Well, let's look, let's put some Nazis in a bad mood because we're going to talk about PA here. Let's let's get straight on with it. Um, let's talk about national action straight away because I think this is uh, a section of the report that's worth spending a bit of time on. Um, it, uh, are these links between patriotic alternative and the now banned uh, neo-Nazi terror group national action? Um, I, I think this is significant. And Joe, I'm sure you're probably going to say want to say a bit about this yourself, so I won't say too much. But I, I think this is significant because it, in my view, PA, whilst being... You know, absolutely vile. Of course, they they do maintain a bit more of a, a polished, a kind of quote unquote reputable and professional outward face in a way that National Action never did really. So it just goes to show if you chip away enough at the at the varnish, you kind of get down to some pretty ugly stuff indeed. Um, and I think <clears throat> the first place probably to, to to start with this is is Mark Collett. Um, and we spoke a few weeks ago. Um, about Mark Collett and his links to National Action in the wake of that Times article. I mean, he'd claimed he'd never actually been to a, an NA event in that article, but you and the you and the research team, Joe, you, you revealed some information that suggests otherwise, really. Talk us through what you found in relation to Mark Collett and National Action. 
So yeah, no, I think uh, look, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, and it's really important uh, that with this kind of they spend so much time trying to present this moderate image with about bake bake sales and, and marches up hills that it's really important to peel back that veneer and as you say, kind of show them what they are. And that's why these NA links that we expose through this report, I think really useful and important. So when it comes to Collett, for, for those of you who don't know, he's the founder and leader of Patriotic Alternative, uh, formerly a kind of prominent member of the British National Party. And a few bits had kind of uh, crept out from uh, kind of his links to NA in the past. Matthew Collins mentioned some stuff in his book that hadn't been kind of revealed before and and it's kind of a well-known fact that he linked up with na activists during the 2016 brexit campaign where he did a street stall in leeds alongside a guy called jack coulson who was who was at the time was an na member who has since been convicted for making a pipe bomb uh, and he was also photographed with uh, wayne bell aka wayne jarvey a kind of another really violent nasty leading figure within na so uh, we knew that so all of this had kind of come up for what we kind of revealed in this report was that he'd actually been more involved than previously thought in that he'd booked a room for National Action in Leeds and that he'd hung around with the group for a period. And actually, like what it seems actually ended up breaking away from them was because he was looking for a leadership role. Um, so he would been looking for a much more prominent leadership role within National Action. And when he was rebuffed from that, he then walked away. And so, again, it's really useful to, to tie these pieces together because he spent so much time distancing himself from NA and saying, you know, oh, I've you know, no interest in it, I can't stand it. So to tie all these things together, whether or not it was the training camps he went on, whether or not it was this stuff during the 2016 Brexit campaign, and now this additional bit of information about him actually booking a room for them, it shows that he's much more active in the scene than he's letting on or, or, or PA more generally are letting on. And that's the same for quite a few of the key figures we name in the report linked to NA. Yeah, we'll we'll come on to some of those in the, in a second. But what, do you do you have a sense of why he was rejected from a leadership role? Is it just because of his his character? <laughs> uh, look, he's not well liked, right? That's nothing no. new. Um, there's lots of people that dislike him, and and um, obviously NA was kind of it was a lot of them came through the young BMP branch, and Collett had his own history with the BMP that was he was kind of not necessarily well liked. Um, he's quite a domineering figure and what he wants and what you know and so I imagine the ins and outs of it we don't know the ins and outs of it but it sounds like he wanted to take the group one way others wanted to take it another way and he lost the struggle well let's let's talk about somebody else in in patriotic alternative then he's got links someone else uh, quite significant which is Sam Mealy I know we've spoken about him and his links before he's Yorkshire organizer he's also married to deputy leader uh, Laura Towler um, and you and the you and the team you kind of uncovered some more information about him and you know engaging with members of national action months after it was prescribed um i know Towler sort of tried to downplay this a bit and suggest that he he wasn't involved or you know he didn't have any links but this doesn't seem to uh to sort of chime with what you've discovered does it yeah, I mean, this is a really fun one because um, Sam Melia, again, for those who don't know, he's kind of number three in PA. And as you say, he's married to Laura Towler and he's kind of a very key central figure. And this one's funny or fun because it makes Towler look really silly. Mm. Back in May 21, uh, this year, in fact, she, she said, you know, he has never been a member of National Action and, and really kind of distances. And there's no political affiliation. All of this sort of stuff really put it out there really strongly that, that he wasn't there. Now, of course, we'd exposed his links to NA back in 2018 when we showed him marching alongside Ashley Bell and Wayne Bell in Darlington uh, at the demonstration a while ago there, an actual NA demo. And, and they'd kind of distanced themselves from that and said he had no political affiliation with them. So what we've done in this report is finally publish uh, 
uh, uh, the kind of picture, this is a bit of a mythical picture in, in some circles, um, that revealed that back in July 2017, he was photographed along loads of prominent members of the organisation in Manchester. Uh, it, even people like Christopher Ligo, uh, who was who's kind of, as this guy I mentioned before, who's, who's uh, in prison at the moment, and Mark Jones, and, and a whole bunch of others. So he was there at a, a drinks thing with them, and the picture is clear as day that it's him. And so, again, uh, you know, it makes Towler's kind of protestations that he had nothing to do with NA. We've now got a number of examples of him hanging around with them. Uh, it makes them kind of untenable. Yeah, that picture really made me raise my eyebrows. I was like, I was like wow, I can't believe he's, you know, sat there, like you said, next to Christopher Liger as well. Uh, and yeah, as you absolutely say, it makes uh, it makes Tyler look pretty stupid. Um, obviously, there's, there's a few others featured in the report. I, I think maybe let's just touch on two, which are Jake Buick and Chris Kearns, uh, both related to the, the group's fitness fitness regime whatever that is but um <laughs> do, do you want to just talk about them that they've got some ties as well historic ties to the group yeah sure i mean if i didn't dislike the politics so much i'd almost feel sorry a bit for jake buick because we've dogged this guy for the last five years we've given Whether him a rough not... time haven't we i mean rightly so but yeah well, you know but back in um 2018 we, we exposed him as a national action guy when he was when he was active with generation identity this group that's kind of now defunct but um you know he's turned really extreme you know um He's talked, but he talks more about Hitler, etc. But you know, he's a he's a figure that is is involved in the fitness side and, and increasingly prominent actually within PA internally, in terms of some of the stuff that he's up to. So he's uh, kind of tying him to this or that. And then the other one is this guy Chris Kearns, again, who's um, PA's online fitness community. He's at the centre of that, and he's got the ridiculous name Charlie Big Potatoes. And he was the fitness officer, etc. Um, there's some great pictures in the report of him. I say great. I mean, like it's him, Sieg Heiling, and uh, kind of makes it absolutely clear where his politics lie. So it was, again, we were really keen to get that in there and make everyone kind of erase any doubt of where uh, he was. And there's also a quote in there where he claims that he left NA one minute before the group's prescription in December 2016. So, yeah, there's also, I mean, I won't go through them all, but like, have a look at the report if you're interested. I mean, the key takeaway on this section is that there is a large contingent of the now-banned Nazi terror group National Action are now active in PA. And so when they talk about, you know, we're moderate and it's about homeschooling and bake sales, this report really shows the truth of this. You know, there's lots of stuff that have leaked out before, but it was really good to pull it all together into one place and really make the case that this has become the home for a big chunk of former National Action members. Yeah, Chris Kearns is an absolute stinker in this report. He comes off terribly. And, and I think uh, Diane Moller, um, you know, you, you talk about her at the end, who used to be, she was involved last year. And then she left and she's been very critical that the uh, the group is, uh, and this is a quote from her saying, she said, it's infested with criminals and persons of dubious character. And I think, you know, all this talk about national action and all these, all these former NA members or people involved in NA, I should say, you know, previously, um, you know, it seems to chime with, with her, I mean, with, with what she's, what she said about the group anyway. So, I mean, uh, just to come, come back to sort of something we mentioned at the beginning, I mean, there might be some people listening to this who are thinking like, why does this matter? You know, national action don't exist anymore. Um, so what would you say to them? I mean, you know, is it, is it, is this about respectability? Is this about violence? What, what is it we're trying to get across here? Yeah. So, so there's a couple of things, right? One is obviously in terms of actual fascists, and I use that word, you know, accurately, <laughs> actual fascists, uh, Patriotic Alternative is the biggest active group in the UK at the moment. It they poses the biggest threat. Um, we actually, we spent a huge amount of time really drilling down both with internal source information, but also 
um, kind of analysis of public events, etc., over a long period. And, and we find that we reckon that we're very accurate in saying that there's approximately 200 to 250 core activists willing to mobilize on the ground. Obviously, they've got a much larger following than that online with some of their Telegram channels having 5,000 or Colin's personal channel, uh, channel is well over 12,000, if I remember rightly. But 200 to 250 sounds very small, but 250 active hardcore fascists linked to the now banned national uh, terrorist group National Action is a real concern. This is a very active group. It's got national coverage now, and it's tied into some very extreme and violent people. Uh, and uh, so part a big chunk of this is about saying, actually, you know, the mainstream needs to take patriotic alternative more seriously going forward. The anti-fascist movement across the board has obviously been talking about them for a long time. But 250 people with this politics that are this extreme is obviously really, really worrying. And we talk about in the report, not just people linked to NA, but we talk about individuals within the PA circle and orbit who've, who've themselves been arrested for various things, both criminality, violence, and this guy called Dean Morris, who was obviously linked to terrorist stuff. So it's a real threat to our communities and it's a real threat. And, and there's people involved in the group. There's a whole section in the report, for example, about people in PA and what they've said about Hitler. Uh, and spoiler alert, it's all positive. And so this is so extreme. And so it's, it's really about painting them about what they are and not how they're trying to present themselves to the world. Yeah, absolutely right. And one of the other one of the things you you said in the past, I think this, this brings us on to the section about influences, which I'm going to pass over to Roxy in a sec to, to lead on. But one of the things you've said in the past on this podcast, and we've tried to emphasize is that, you know, that the, the internet has reduced the social cost of being involved in far right activism. And this, you know, this report is about trying to you know, raise the bar, um, raise the stakes for being involved in in far right politics uh, again in this country. And I think one of the big sections of the report where it does that is where you reveal the identities of some of the uh, some of patriotic alternatives influencers who have you know up until this point been hiding behind pseudonyms. So, Rox, why don't you give us uh, a bit of a summary of what's what, what's been found here, and you, you and Joe can sort of talk it talk it through. Well, you ruined my segue into the questioning there spoons but i'll uh... <laughs> sorry mate i mean you, you you did just reveal that you were doing a, a side podcast without without telling us before so oh yeah fair play i deserve that yeah. um yeah joe i was actually just going to hand over to you and um ask you to kind of give our listeners a little bit of an overview about uh who these folks are that have been have been doxxed in this in this report yeah sure i mean <coughs> excuse me <coughs> excuse me again um yeah so everything you said there is, is right, Spoons, in terms of it, but this is about social costs. This is about saying, actually, if you want to hang around in the dark corners of the internet, spewing your hatred, we're going to kind of kind of come and find you. And, and that there should be a social cost to your activism, that you can't do this stuff in the shadows and get away with it. And so we spend a lot of time looking for individuals that are using pseudonyms and fake names and all those sorts of things. Now, one of the things that we mentioned here is, is this section we call on PA social media influencers and Patriotic Alternative is obviously an organization with a structure and it has regional branches and leaders and all that sort of stuff. But it also has this online ecosystem, which is dozens of vlogs and podcasts, etc. A group of individuals that create content linked to PA or in support of PA. And there's this whole little online world and there's hours and hours and dozens of hours of, of kind of footage and content and interviews, etc. that they put out, all designed to kind of push the politics of patriotic alternative. And so a lot of these figures, I mean, I don't know if it's useful going into great depth because I don't know how many of our listeners are going to 
kind of know who these people are. And if, you, if they are, of course, really interested, then it's in the report, so please do check it. But just to just name check them, because the point here is, is to kind of show the names and stuff. So one of the big ones in this is a guy called Horace, who is, who's quite a prominent figure in the scene. We, we name him as Gareth Stone. There's a guy called Ruffian Dick that we name as Craig White. Um, there's a guy called a person called Bonnie Lad that was that we name as Stuart Devers, uh, Chief Moody we name as Stephen uh, Thompson, and Nathan R. Lawrence, another big figure in the scene that we name as uh, Neil Hyatt, and and then there's a host of other ones named in there as well. Now we profile all of these figures in the report, so if you're interested in who they are and and the information about them, please go in there and check. We explain where they're kind of based and what they're up to. But the key here is, is that the, the, I guess that the interesting thing to take away from here is, is that it shows PA as a, as a genuinely kind of modern far-right grouping. Yes, it looks traditional in some senses, it has branches, et cetera, but it also has this world of kind of social media influencers or content creators. Um, the other one, I mean, there's a few in here that, that if anyone can do, we'd love to have the information on. We're still looking for Morgoth, um, who's a, key, a kind of key figure in this thing. But we name a guy called uh, Alex Cave, who's AKA Wesley Russell. Um, so a lot of the big figures in this world, we kind of picture them, we put up their picture and we say who they are. And the point here, as you say, uh, Nick, is to kind of say, look, we will find you. It might take us a while, but eventually we'll get, we'll get there. And this uh, should be social costing. You know, we're, we're speaking to local newspapers around the country, and I think we'll see a lot more articles in local newspapers in the coming weeks, etc., saying about who these key figures are and, and why they're a danger to their local community. Mm. Yeah, th thanks for that. Um, you talk about social cost there, and um, just one thing I wanted to pick out from the report is um, the person you mentioned, Morgoth. And um, spectator columnist James Dillingpole uh, referred to him as one of the smartest people on the planet. Um, it, it's just like blows my mind that, um, yeah, such people are getting uh, such accolades from seemingly uh, uh, appropriate journalists, shall we say. So it's. I mean, well, given, not, given how extreme the spectator yeah. is now, I mean, it's not really a surprise, I guess. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, the spectator has been covering itself in shame for, for some time. I mean, let's not forget they've had, you know, they've given column inches to all sorts of quite, well, I'm trying to think carefully here. So all sorts of people that, that, are, that are problematic, shall we mm -hmm. say. And, and, and like the, the kind of recent weeks, the big offence from the spectator is all these um, articles about Zimor in France that as yet none of them have mentioned his anti-Semitism or Holocaust denial. They've all spent time saying what a great guy he is. So it's not a great surprise. I mean, with Morgoth and Dellingpole, Morgoth is so extreme. I think it's really problematic that he would end up in a podcast that's linked to someone who's, who's part of the spectator. But in part of it, I guess it's another uh, piece of evidence showing where the spectator currently is. It's in a really troubling place at the moment. Well, yeah, no, quite, quite. Um, another uh, character that I thought was, uh, I don't know if interesting is the right word, but was Neil Hyatt, who you just mentioned, um, and his ideology of esoteric Hitlerism. Um, Joe, could you just go briefly into what, what that is? <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Neil Hyatt is kind of a pretty bizarre and very extreme uh, figure. He's, he's uh, based in Telford and, and he writes on the PA website loads. And um, he uses a whole wild array of pseudonyms. I mean, this guy is um, everywhere on social media and, and he's got dozens of names and he's kind of a, a pretty prominent figure. But esoteric Hitlerism, well, it refers to this kind of mystical interpretations of Nazism, I guess is how I would describe it. Uh, you get a lot of this stuff after the Second World War, 
which essentially turns Hitler and, and, and Third Reich almost into like a religious movement. Um, there's also linked into these kind of weird belief systems around kind of mythical hyperboreanism and all this that I won't get into in any great depth, but it essentially takes Hitler, or in some senses it kind of deifies Hitler, and it, it's kind of, it takes a very mystical approach to this sort of stuff, and it turns essentially into almost a new religious movement. It takes Nazism and the Third Reich and turns it into a religious movement. And the kind of key figures through the years in this kind of people like Savitri Devi, um, and David Meyer, who we've talked about with uh, kind of uh, Order of Nine Angles before, he's kind of in this world. And there were some people straight after the war that kind of created these almost cult-like groups that created these very mystical takes on, on Hitler and Nazism. And so, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a peculiar figure. We kind of talk about him in there. We even put a picture of him in there. But I mean, uh, the quote, I think, in the report we used, that Adolf Hitler was an enlightened, supernatural and divine being, an avatar mm. and a messenger of the divine forces to save the world, the closest thing to a living God. So I guess there is kind of uh, as clear as you can get in terms of when you say what is esoteric Hitlerism, it's, it's the kind of deification of Adolf Hitler. Yeah, yeah, thanks for that. It's just, yeah, <laughs> words. We featured, uh, we, we, we featured a bit of that kind of stuff on the podcast, the Black Metal podcast with Kim Kelly. Uh, yeah, it's great. That. Oh, thanks, mate. Thank you. Yeah, she <laughs> she she spoke. Uh, she spoke about it. She, um, uh, Kim spoke about it, and uh, there's a bit of a crossover there with some of the kind of some elements of, of the more, the extreme end of black metal. So, um, so yeah, people are interested. Check that out as well. Um, so moving on, um, the report also does a profile on uh, Dean Morris. Is that how you pronounce his name? Morris, I think. Morris. Yeah. yeah. Morris, okay. Um, Joe, I was just wondering if you could give an overview of who he is and what his links to PA are. Yeah, sure. Um, so Dean Morris, yeah, we're kind of a, back in June 2021, so let's say earlier this year, it's probably easier. Um, this is kind of Somerset-based Nazi. Um, he was sentenced to 18 years for 10 terrorism-related offences. Um, he was a former British Army employee and he was found with stockpiles of explosives at his home in, in a place called Polton. Uh, there was ball bearings and pipes. So uh, the instructions for a 3D printed gun. I mean, really, really nasty stuff. And and he had venerated the guy who killed 51 people in New Zealand in 2019. And there was videos of him and, and a really kind of dangerous guy. And at the time, the press picked up on the fact that he had a background in UKIP, actually. Um, but what did kind of seem to pass a lot of people by was that he was also involved in this kind of online scene that I mentioned earlier around mm -hmm. PA. Um, he was using a pseudonym and he was active in a number of PA chats, actually, or linked chats on Telegram. And uh, especially around the kind of Southwest region and the White Lives Matter banner drop that we talked about in previous podcasts around this kind of Indigenous People's Day, which, again, we go into in some depth in the report. Um, we kind of found him in those chats. Uh, and also he discussed about just uh, attending PA meetups and the like. So. Again, when we say why a PA dangerous, why, why is it important? Here we are again with, with an actual individual who was involved in PA chats, who was involved in attending or discussing attending events and the like. And here he is caught with ball bearings and, and plans for pipe bombs and all this sort of dangerous stuff. You know, once again, it shows that the logical conclusion of such extreme politics is invariably violence. And he's a great example of that. And so we were really glad to stick this in the report and, and make it a bit more widely known of his involvement. Mm. Yeah, so the um, it also, um, in the report, it says that he, you know, he's kind of fixated on this notion of installing a, a white ethno state and discussing his desire to 
enslaved the lesser races. Um, how, how common were these kind of themes and these ideas when you were doing uh, your research on, on this PA report? Or was that like, or was that like uh, a violent extreme? No, it's, it's, it's worryingly common, right? This is the thing with patriotic alternative, right? It's the thing that they'll tell journalists or even the stuff they'll put primarily on their own website. Some of it remains very extreme. In, you know, by any standard, it remains extreme. But it's often more measured. Whereas when you spend time in these groups and in these spaces online, you see quite how vile and quite how extreme a lot of this stuff is. And, and discussion like a white ethnostate, this idea that, you know, citizens should be restricted, restricted to white people, et cetera, is, is, is not just, per, is pervasive, shall we mm. say. It's a kind of core element of the worldview of patriotic alternative is about whiteness, it's about racial identity, et cetera. Um, and, you know, this is almost at the more moderate end of some of the stuff, you know, we, we see vile anti-Semitism, Holocaust denial, um, kind of discussions about race war in some of the fringe groups around PA. Um, really, really nasty, nasty stuff. And if you speak to anyone who's in PA, uh, kind of an, a number of people have come forward and chatted to us in the last year or so. This is stuff that when, you know, if you can imagine what's being said online, you should see what they're saying when they're going on their hikes or when they're in the pub together. Um, the kind of vile racism that we get reported back from our sources is pretty staggering. That, there's an interesting bit in the report actually talking about optics and um, uh, and sort of internal uh, tensions, I suppose, about optics within within PA, um, which uh, I would encourage people to have a read about a read of as well, because I think some of this stuff is tied up in that, isn't it, a little bit, Joe? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they talk at length about the importance of good optics, um, and that's this is the idea that you know they need to present themselves in a positive manner to the outside world, and and there's always a tension in these more extreme groups about how open and how far to go. You know, in one sense they want to be open and extreme enough to attract people within the wider far right that agree with them, but also they have an eye, one eye on sort of more mainstream success. I mean, the thing with PA is they're too far gone. I mean, everyone knows who they are. There's enough out there to show how extreme they are. You know, they're not going to kind of break into the mainstream in the same way that the British National Party kind of looked on the cusp of doing at various times. Um, so they can talk about optics all they want. I think research like this and by other anti-fascist groups around the country over the last couple of years has shown quite clearly where they are, you know. Yeah, the game's up a little bit, isn't it? Um, yeah. Okay, well, let's look let's 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 close talking about um uh one other element of the report which i think you know i think it's quite eye-opening um and particularly in just to, interesting to anti-fascists is the uh the sort of special i mean it's all interesting to anti-fascists of course but there's the there's the the inside story of the um of the conference which descended into chaos a few weeks ago and i think you know some particularly observant listeners might have noticed that we didn't actually feature the conference on the show uh, the week it happened um so i i think this is and, and this is the reason why really because this this story was was coming out there was something of a vacuum um which led to some 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 things being thrown around but i guess we can talk about this a bit more publicly now it's out there so first things first i mean organizationally this sounds like it was a bit of a disaster um it seems like there were a few decoy locations thrown out which meant that travel to the event was it was very expensive for supporters. I mean, our source in the report says they were sent to Manchester and then they were told the conference was in Stockport and then Altrincham. And then finally they were up in the Lake District. I mean, that's that's a, that's a bit of a hike to get up there. So what's what else is notable from this inside story then, Joe? I suppose the, the venue leaking situation 
is the thing that caused a lot of pandemonium. And what's what's the story behind that as well? Yeah, so I mean, you're right. I mean, it's um, it was it's always quite frustrating when you can't kind of come out and say stuff publicly at the time. But um, obviously, we we had to sit on information for the safety of the various people that spoke to us, and and also, um, you know, we 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 had this report coming out, and sometimes I think it makes more impact when you bring all the information together in one place and you and you press release it and you do all that sort of stuff so that that's kind of why we sat on it so yeah as you say it was kind of quite frustrating to sit on it but i think it makes sense to i mean the overriding thing here is is that um like we've said quite a few times today the difference between what they've said publicly and the reality uh, and i think this is another great example of this there was lots of talk within pa saying everyone has to go out and say what a wonderful great success it was uh, and for a while it actually almost kind of worked you know we got lots of pushback from people even anti-fascists kind of saying to us um they're all saying it's a great success you know and obviously we couldn't come out and prove otherwise for various reasons at the time but you know if you look at this i mean i would encourage you know if you're interested go and have a read of, of the there's a whole article in there written by by a source that talks about their day specifically and what they got up to and and the backs and forths and the cancelling of speeches and the, the various dinner, the, the, the counselling of the dinners and the £7,000 that went awry. And, um, there's all sorts of bits and pieces in there. And also it kind of highlights some of the tensions in there. It talks about the big tensions with the kind of Scottish branch who were who hated by lots of the other members and how that caused some problems at the time. But it really does show that when Laura Towler and, and Colin, et cetera, put around this stuff to say, we, let's all be really positive about what happened, clearly behind the scenes there was a huge amounts of, uh, of kind of frustration and tensions and I think those tensions are, are going to be ongoing for some time I mean a lot of far-right movements start to falter when they can't trust each other and clearly PA is extremely internally divided and for good reason they can't trust each other not least articles like this which shows that they're they're kind of uh, filled with infiltrators so it's worth having a look at it it kind of goes through the day and it's quite amusing as well the person writes are quite an amusing kind of interesting way about the it day is and I think amusing, it's quite, yeah it's quite quite funny one so yeah i'd encourage people who are interested to go and have a look yeah i mean it's sort of like like you said at the beginning of this podcast really you know when when this when this report came out and Collett was on the podcast you know saying well this is like you say he's quite cold saying well this is just what, what you should expect to happen if you're involved well you know, I'm sure for for some people who maybe were thinking about getting involved in PA, a report like this, a story like that about about the about a national conference, you know, information getting leaked, that's not going to fill you with confidence about getting involved in a group like this, is it? No, absolutely, no, no, absolutely, it won't. And um, you know, I, I think that's really important for people to know, right? I mean, there, ha- there is a social cost of our activism. You know, there's a number of people have already lost their jobs because of this report. Um. Uh, because their employers have found out about the extreme stuff they're up to and have decided they don't want to work with them. And, you know, when you're, especially for the younger people, when they're making those decisions about what they want to do with the rest of their lives, I think it's really important that they understand that this isn't something you can just get away with. You can't just sit in your bedroom and, and kind of talk about spreading terror messages. You will get found, you will get exposed. And, you know, in many cases, people will go to prison for it. So, I think it's really important to explain that uh, for young activists to see that, that um, for all of the big talk of people like Laura Towler saying, oh, isn't it what such a wonderful family we all get on and it's no problems and it's just a bake sale. The truth of the matter is much more extreme and, and people need to realise that and realise that there will be consequences for doing so. Yeah, and also realise that, you know, people like Towler and Collett, they just cannot be trusted at all to keep 
mm. keep this sort of information safe and secure. So, mm. you know, I, I think it's um, I, I, if 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 I was in you know if I was in PA right now, I'd be uh, I'd I'd be extremely worried, extremely concerned. Luck, it? it looks it's a very very bad look. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last the last thing I just want to say actually is we mentioned quite a lot of other anti-fascist groups in the report and various bits and places. You know, I mean. PA has been getting hammered from all sides. It's not just us. I mean, um, we've obviously been sitting on a lot of information for a while, but PA has been getting hammered, whether or not it's people like Red Flare, which have published loads, or or kind of various anti-fascist research groups or independent researchers and individuals and anti-fascists. Over the last two years of kind of PA's history, um, since founding, they've been getting hammered by, uh, by across the movement in all sorts of different ways. And I think you know, that's another lesson for, for PA. You know, this is a good example of like, so many people have been exposed by various groups and individuals. You know, it's not just us doing this. There's loads of people out there doing great work. And I think that's another reason why PA are in such trouble. Exactly. And also, you know, they should know that we're not going to stop. Like we will not no. stop and we won't rest. So until it's broken up. So there you go. Um, anything else you want to touch on? No, I mean, I, I mean, Still, it's probably worth reading the report. Still, if you are interested, if you're still in, if you're still listening now after that long a conversation, <laughs> you know, and you really, you really are very interested, then um, I would recommend going onto the website and having a look at the report. But yeah, it's an excellent report, Joe. So well done. Yeah, it really is good. Well done to you and the team. And um, no, uh, yeah, again, I'd encourage people to go check it out. Um, we'll, be, we'll be back next week. Uh, I guess we'll probably talk. Actually, no, we're not going to talk about Ben Raymond because Roxy's doing. Uh, <laughs> she's a traitor doing another podcast um so we'll have to um think of something else to talk about next week but i'm sure we'll find something um in the meantime everybody stay warm and uh, a big thanks to both of you big thanks to jacob producer and a big thank you to you for listening as well thanks so much for checking out radio 43 and we'll see you next week take care You cannot prevent 50 people, 50 postmen or 50 dustmen from having anti-Semitic thoughts. But you can prevent 50 dustmen forming an anti-Semitic dustman association. Take the fight of the enemy and attack those before they attack you.